This is a test of the Boundary Park Alert System. Welcome to episode 23 of the Boundary Park Alert System podcast with me, Matt Dean. My guests this week are Plastic Latic, Daniel Taylor, Steve Shipman, and for the his debut, making his debut, is Andy Bickerdyke. How are you doing, Andy? Very well, thanks, Matt. Did I get your name right? Yeah, yeah, at the third attempt, fourth attempt <laughs> maybe, but yeah, well done. Don't tell people that. Everyone thinks that this is a smooth, you know, one-take operation. No, it is. It's a slick <laughs> setup. It's so slick, yeah. I was just giving Danny a bit of stick there about calling him a plastic latte because uh, just just from an interaction that you had on Twitter there, wasn't it, Danny, earlier on in the week from uh, Michael? Michael Baines, yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't say I know him uh, personally, but... It's because he doesn't yeah. exist, apparently, <laughs> in that form. Yeah, his Twitter account doesn't exist anymore, does it? That's for sure. The wonderful world of hashtag OAFC... I don't know about you lads, obviously I'll find out now, but I've spent the afternoon watching the game, flicking between this computer screen and my phone on the old hashtag, keeping an eye on what everyone was uh, what everyone was saying. Good result in the end, wasn't it? I think you've got to be happy with a, with a draw, with a point out of it. Started the game really well with that goal from Keeler Dunn, who's what's a real threat coming from yeah, deep, doesn't he? Running through the middle. Piece. Yeah. Yeah, uh, good goal, early start, but we knew that wasn't going to be it. We knew that we, <laughs> we weren't going to hold out for uh, 88 minutes and, and and get a point. I was just looking at one of the, um, I can't remember who it was, Alex was was uh, responded to a message on Twitter there earlier on um, and said it was going to be John Batty bingo, you know, in terms of, uh, so we'll see how many we come out with. He, unfortunately for him, he's the one that comes away from that game as the as the real talking point, and he wants to he wants to stick the knife in first and let then the, the others twist it later. Can, can I confess that until today's game, <laughs> I I didn't realise he was called John Batty. I thought he was John Batty. <laughs> I genuinely I genuinely thought he was. We had a, a lad called John Batty. He always um, pronounces his full name for some reason. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he should do because he's always in trouble. <laughs> well, <I'm... laughs> yeah, very, very true. So I've learned something today. So that, that it's been it's been a productive afternoon for me. Um, I mean, I thought the the sign was there when when he squared up to Clark. I thought, you know, this isn't going to end well for for him. It's only going to go one way. Clark's too smart. He doesn't get into those situations unless he knows he can outsmart the other guy. And it was it was no surprise that that, that he then ended up making um, making the howler to howler of a mistake to get sent off. You know, uh, and what was going through my mind at the point was, Jesus, if only we had Peter Clark at the back rather than John Batty. Somebody but, said on Twitter, didn't they, about like, so I remember reading, or, you know, after Keeler Dunn had gone through and like, all you have to do is run at him because he's pace and, you know, he's old. And yeah, but he's he's one of the centre half pairings and the captain of a team in sixth. So that tells you what you need to know, doesn't yeah. it? He's not perfect, is he? But, um, but he's a leader and he's a, he's a smart, he's a smart cookie. But, you know, I, I mean, they clearly showed a lot of resolve, didn't they? And a, a level of resolve that perhaps we haven't seen before from, from the team in that second half. And it was, you know, the, the Jameson, was it? Not seen him before. Did yeah. very well. And that the, the one good thing to come out of the game, if anything, was 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 that performance. 
uh, and the, the ability to just hold their own at the back. I mean, I don't think Tranmere really caused any problems when, I mean, when, when we went down to 10 men. I mean, just, just touching on the Jambati incident or incidents across the game, the, the biggest uh, compliment to the rest of the side is that we look so comfortable with 10 men with Jambati nowhere near the field of play than we did when Jambati was on. You, you always felt that there was a mistake there. You always felt there was a, a foul. You always felt there was a second booking with his name written on it. I mean, I think a minute after the incident with Clark in the first half, Fawn turned him and he pulled him down. And you think, without a booking, potentially could have been. And then you're just waiting for him to make another daft tackle. And and sure enough, he did about 80 seconds into the second half, which had I been a manager or a coach, you're looking at John Batty thinking, is he going to really get through the second 45 without committing a foul bad enough for a second yellow. and I think, I mean, the other thing is, is that, you know, the lad that, the Tramway lad made the most of it, didn't he? Because he knows that he's on a, a yellow. And it's not so much about putting your faith in, you know, from Kewell's point of view, he's probably slapping him on the back, saying he, you know, believes in him and just go out there, be careful, whatever, even if he, spe- if he speaks to him at half time about it, I don't know. But, you know, you have faith in the player and all that. But it doesn't take much, does it? High foot bit of lack of concentration, Tramier player goes down like he's been shot and refs over and that's it, isn't it? So yeah, was it was it what do you think, Steve? Was it poor game management by Kuhl to not to not bring him off at half time, maybe? Or is it just because he got sent off that everybody then turns around and starts giving him a bit of stick? I thought it was poor game management from Kuhl to start him. To <laughs> that's a very, very good point. That's an excellent point. Uh, let's look at the root co- let's look at the root cause of this. I think, to be honest, with John Batty, like, I don't think I've seen him this season and actually seen him have a good game or anything that would resemble where I could, I could go, actually, I can see a player in there. I would, and I would, I would say that at centre-half. Every time I've seen him at centre-half, he's, he's, he's often getting dragged out of position too easily and he's just making stupid mistakes, whether it's giving away free kicks or whatever. So I don't, I don't really see what he does to justify his starting position. You know, Andy said before about about Jameson, he's had a couple of decent cameos, you know. And when he started, he's not looked, he's not looked terrible. But the last game, the last game I can remember, Steve. Sorry to cut you off there. Which game was it? He, he took him off at half time because he were having a nightmare. Do you remember, who, who was that against? It was away from home, and I, um, I can't remember off the top of my head who, who we were playing. But they took him off at half time because he was having a stinker. So, mm-hmm. but he, you know, yeah, today he did really. He came on and did himself no harm. He'll, he'll have to start next game, won't he? Yeah. I mean, he's not exactly going up against a load of world beaters either, is he, in, in that position? So, I mean, you know, it, it'd be good to see him. It, it, to be honest, it'd just be good to see two people play centre-half. Settled back for... You know, for a run of game, for a run of games. And, and that's not that's not what we're getting at the minute. It's just almost like it's literally a different partner every single game. And I don't think any team has ever has ever done really done well with swapping and changing your centre-halves every, every week. So uh, yeah, it'd just be good to see some stability. But John Batty, I just, I just do not see it with him at all. Like he's, he's just a liability, and like Dan says, it's, it says a lot that someone can get sent off, and you can actually look better as a unit, as a defensive unit without him there. Obviously, he was part of that back four and the Wickham back four that got promoted to League One. But my God, I mean, it were the other three. It must have been like Berezi. Maldini and <laughs> Cafu or something like that. They were the other three in there to make him to sort of carry him in the team. 
Yeah, well, I think we've established that John Batty's is uh, not really cutting the mustard at Latix, so uh, well, you know we, we we'll leave him alone now. We'll leave him alone. Um, <laughs> but he can't play anywhere now for the next game because he's banned. So that's that's a blessed relief in itself. But yeah, so we've had a scored six, we scored five goals in the last week, two games. We played Forest Green the other night, uh, scored five, conceded six. So, you know, you're getting your value for money for your 10 quid, aren't you, for goals at least. McElhaney with a couple the other night. Dylan Bahambula with an absolute beauty today. Smashed it into out of nothing, wasn't it? It really was just out of nothing. Those are the best goals, aren't they, that you just don't I see coming? Think I've, I think I've watched that goal as, as about 15 times before I've come on to the to the pod. I mean, it's it, it was sensational, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. we've got some goal of the season competition set up already, haven't we, really? I mean, we've had some absolute corkers scored by ourselves and and, uh, and Bahambula has been a major positive for that's come out of this season, certainly. Yeah, well, he will be if he yeah. signs next season. We're with this kind of every week, aren't we, this uncertainty about what's going to happen. But McElhaney, again, he got subbed off today because it's difficult when you're down to 10 men in it to find the right balance. I mean, he had five subs to change to mix mm. it up. So I guess he was always going to try and... <clears throat> Just see what happened. <laughs> Put on a few and, and and take you know see if it, if it clicked. You got to say at the end it worked, didn't it? Uh, we didn't concede any more goals. And I thought Chamber could have put us to the sword. To be honest, I, I yeah. think they, they sort of. I think they felt like it was probably game one when they went two one up and we yeah. were down to ten. I think. Yeah. But I think you know you look at you look at the way that we played this season. We, you knew that we were going to get our chance at some point because that's just that's just how we set ourselves up. So. You never really felt it too one like we were out of the game, but I mean, what what a strike to actually get us back into it. As soon as he hit it, you knew it was in. I, to, I, to be honest, that that's probably for me. That's probably a better one than Rowe. The technique. Um, yeah. Are you talking about his free kick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can't argue with the technique from that free kick, though. I mean, the turn, the turn. No, you can't. But it was, you know, he had time to set himself up. The turn that Hambula did was was um, sublime, and then yeah. To, to think quickly enough to hit it like that. No, that was yeah, definitely beats Roe for me, that. I mean, I've scored yeah. goals like both of them, so, you know, whatever. But uh, well, it's yeah. just casual for you, isn't it? <laughs> just casual, yeah. Uh, I can, there's literally nobody listening who can vouch for that. Um, I mean, the, 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 impressive, <laughs> the impressive thing is, going forward, they, you know, they, there's a number of them that link up so well. I mean, Bambool is a great player, but he, you know, he, he, he's, he's not, he doesn't act on his own. You know, he links up with others really well. Yeah, you know, he's bloody impressive going forward. Really impressive. You can't deny that. I don't think anyone is denying that. No. Um, but yeah. if, you're shipping, if you're shipping four goals against a team that don't look like scoring four goals, this is the the worry is, is that we've we've got the, the best, best attacking team we've had in such a long time. Oh. And next season, it might just be a different story. We might just not have the same attacking prowess. And it's just the, the frustration is... If only we could have shored up that defence, surely we'd be in the top three this season. And it's I mean, really, really frustrating. When when we're talking about like the, the attacking options, I mean, goals scored, uh, I don't know whether we were level with Exeter or slightly just below now, uh, given Exeter didn't play, but that's for top scorers in the division. Now, if you're top scorers in the division, as Harry Kuehl's rightly said, they tend to finish in, in and around the, the top three or certainly the top seven. And sadly, we're nowhere near because of the calamitous state of the defence uh, yeah. in the defending third of the pitch. And our, yeah. our goals just, are giving us a chance, aren't they? That's what it's doing. Yeah, it's not just that, Danny. There's there's this gravitational pull in the earth which pulls Oldham to seventeenth in the league 
and uh, there's nothing we can do about it. It's just very, it's a very powerful, powerful force, and it's it's working again, and we're, and we're there, just settling. But yeah, it's physics, Matt. It's it's physics. physics. I mean, you can't argue with physics. Um, no. football physics. Yeah, but it, it. I think what you're saying, Matt, is this was the this was a season with some fairly straightforward reinforcements at the back, having got it so right up front with some fairly simple investments to reinforce the back. We could be contending top top three quite easily. You, you don't get that attacking prowess very easily. You know no. that doesn't you don't you don't package that up together very easily. We've and, had and, it for years. No, we ha- we haven't. It's not that difficult to get kind of you know experienced League One, League Two centre backs just to give you a bit of leadership if you're willing to kind of pay a decent salary for one player. We're paying that. We're paying a salary to a decent well, we are. player. We're, we're player. Player. Your not- point is, we might not have that next season. You know that no. that that attacking prowess might be ripped to pieces. And, oh, and, will and- I've, yeah, yeah, I've already said I'm going to do the podcast naked if um, if we have to, um, Conor McElhenney signs next I was season, say, just- which is fine for the listeners, but you lads might be struggling on it. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I was just going to touch on this point there. I mean, when you're talking about the attacking prowess that we've got, you're looking next season and you're thinking, well, Bahambula, we've got a, an option to extend his contract for next season, so that's that's a major positive. Beyond that, Keeler Dunn is on uh, a one-year deal, uh, not with an option, I believe, so we're going to have to renegotiate with him. And he, he's certainly improved a lot over the course of the season, especially over the last month and a half or so. Yeah, now they're not playing yeah. him as a winger. Yeah, we've, yeah. Lost, we've lost Danny Rowe, albeit we got a, uh, a fee for him and he was out of contracts in the summer anyway. And then you're looking at McElhaney, who's really, a, a, certainly off the chat from Carl overnight and from the notes that we've put out today, is... It very sounds very much like McLean is going to keep his options open and, and realistically is at least uh, is probably a, a division two low, isn't he? Really, he's right to do that. And the only way we'd keep McLean is if we got promoted into League One. Then we, you know, we, we and you know, significantly increased his wages, and then he might he might resign. But uh, unfortunately, because we keep conceding goals the way we do, we're not going to be getting promoted this season, and it's a massive missed opportunity. And that's where the frustration lies. Um, you mentioned talking to Carl there when I interviewed him last time. He, he said that we've got a top 10 squad. We haven't got a top 10 squad. We've got the makings of a top six squad there going forward. But unfortunately, it's just, just not the strength in depth at the back and uh, we're paying the price for it. Let's be honest, most teams in the division could put all of their time and energy into scoring goals and not care about what happens at the back. Every team could do that. And you would end up probably in a similar position that, that what we are now is that we're scoring loads, but we're conceding loads. But most teams try and find a balance. I'm not I'm not entirely sure we're trying to find that balance. And Kiel seems to have settled onto this argument now that, well, it's all about scoring goals. Yeah. You know, and, it, and it, the defence isn't really causing us a problem. We need to score more goals. And it's like, I'm not sure about that. I think That's probably... what came out of his interview. We trust him in the week, wasn't it? It was, he just didn't seem that asked about defending. And it was like... Well, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just an argument that suits him at this stage. That you know, I'm not. I'm not asking us to keep clean sheets every. You know, I, I, far from it. I'm asking us to not concede three at home to Morecambe. I'm asking he us said, to concede yeah. one or two. He said that though. He, he said that teams at this level don't keep clean sheets. I tweeted out a, a table which showed the percentage of games in the season that, that teams at this level at the top end of the table do keep clean sheets because if we were good at the back we could have an early goal away from home we we win the game one but we don't we don't even need to be yeah. good at the back do we we just need to be 20% better than we are but we would still be kind of below average at the back uh, and that would make a hell of a difference 
yeah. you know, and, and, and the, only, the only way the goal scoring can cancel out the conceding, self-evidently, we need to be better at the back for, for, for it to cancel out. It isn't cancelling yeah. out, is it? Because we're 17th in the league. I mean, I did a, I did a, a table. I, I thought after what Kuhl said on the Q and A to do a bit of research and to find out the teams that have gone up over, that like the last forty teams promoted, not including yes, uh, last season's curtailment of a season. The ten seasons prior, the average goals conceded is forty six point six over four, 40 teams. Now we've conceded fifty two with eighteen games left. So in essence. <laughs> It's not you've not got the formula there, certainly defensively, to to go up. On the flip side, teams that have gone up have scored an average of seventy two point nine. Well, I, I'd certainly wager that we'll score if we don't score seventy three this season, we won't be far off. Ultimately, then you're looking at it being a a season wasted when you've scored like on average the the amount that a promotion team would and would score. I mean, it's, it's definitely we- proved the entertainment factor on it of, of some of the games. I mean, we've seen a lot of goals at both ends and it's, it's not just been drab, nil-nil, one-ones, you know, edging away from the relegation places point by point and, and all that. It's It's been a lot more entertaining because we've been there's been goals, but it's it's equally frustrating as a result, especially when, you know, we've got the issue of, of David Wheater on the bench. And he's not, he's not the only, you know, we, we need probably need another centre-half and two full-backs Possibly, you know what I mean, as well. Yeah. So obviously Adams has come in and has done a better job at fullback, but Badan's come in and he doesn't really fill you with that much confidence. Left back's been a been a problem all season with Bothwick Jackson and Barnett and whatever, and you know Pierre Gianni has not been great. You know it's and I think it all just comes down from that 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 the lack of that ex- one really experienced head. And Adams is coming in; and he is that experienced head. He's new to the side. You need one of your centre-halves to be your absolute rock, don't you? It's just, it's one of the foundation, yeah. founding principles of, of football, yeah. isn't it? Absolutely. It really is. Shoehorned Adams into a side where he's not going to play wide right because you've got Bahambula tends to be in that position anyway. So then we accommodate him to play him right back that he's never really played before in, in his career. Now, he's done fairly well since he's come in, but it, again, he, he's just like shoe-on into the side and a bit like Marcel Hilsner, really, as well. I mean, he's he's come in and basically he's ended up being like the holding midfielder. Well, yeah. he's not come in as a holding midfielder. No, so. and I'd still like to see him and him and uh, Adams together in the centre of mid if we had someone to play right back. But we've got the old Fagey, haven't we? Sick Fagey back there. I don't know if he's injured, is he? Was he on the bench or... I don't know. I don't know, actually. He's not, he's not, not sure. Yeah. yeah. So part you know, of Harry's uh, squad rotation policy. Yeah. I mean, you, you, I mean, again... I think he's got one of those bingo, bingo wheels, hasn't he? You know, when yeah. you just like run it around and like a ball comes out and it's like, oh, sorry, Granty, you'll turn to miss out today. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Better luck next week, though. You never know. <laughs> it's it's a bit mad, isn't it? But this is going to go on until the end of the season. I'm going I'm going to ask a question now. I'll go around all of you. Harry Kuehl, new contract for next season? Yes or no, Andy? Um, yes, purely on the basis of of I think he, I think he's done enough. He's he's shown he can get a team that is can be effective, that's working together, and there's enough promise in what. He's gone out of a team that might be on paper not not that great, more than more in many ways more than I expected. And, and but overriding that, and the over the overriding point, Mark, is that stability issue that you've that you've mentioned and many have mentioned on this podcast on a number of occasions. I just I just wouldn't want us to start again at the beginning of next season. Danny, what do you think? 
100% that, pretty much. I, I wouldn't get rid on the basis that what is the alternative, what does the alternative look like? I've got my own theory that, that the next manager is already stationed at the club in, in, in the in, within the youth team, as in selling Ben Ashore. On top of that, he's made it very entertaining. So if you're not going to be great, then at least make it entertaining and make it watchable. It's certainly that. Also, the stability issue as well. I think you're not going to get anywhere chopping and changing managers every every other year, or head coaches, should I say, every other year. So. Steve-O? Same, I think. Yeah, it seems as though Harry is content to work under the current circumstances in terms of I was going to say for the, free. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think there's, there's, there's areas I'd like him to address or acknowledge that there's issues but like like the other guys have said, I, I don't I don't feel as though changing a manager next season is going to do us any good whatsoever. He has to stay, really. Can any of you lads give me an example of this? Turning into a job interview, can any of you lads give me an example of a perfect relationship that you have with anybody? Because uh, Harry Kuehl in in his uh, Trust Autumn interview um, said that his relationship with Abdallah and Moore was perfect. And I'm just trying to think of any any relationship I've ever had with anyone that was perfect, and I, and I can't. So that kind of, you know, did he? But well, go on. Someone else, and someone else finished that. He's deflecting, isn't he? He's deflecting the the, the, the issue. And I, I think the point that he's made around um, I've got to say I haven't listened to the interview, but the point that he's made around um, he's not too worried about the defence. He's trying to deflect attention away from 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 the issues at, at hand. The fact the that he is really worried about the defence. Yeah, well, he's got to be. I mean, <laughs> and he's saying this relationship's perfect because it isn't perfect. Is well, that well, what you're saying? Yeah. It's cold. He must be trying to move on from, from the issue uh, and, and close down that line of questioning very, very quickly because he, he knows he's, he's, you know, he's, on, he's on thin ice in, in covering that ground you know, for whatever reason. So, uh, he, he, you know, it can't be, can't be his honest answer. But you know, if his relationship is, is acceptable, is one that he can he can work with, then then you know, fair play, we, we can live with that. We don't expect it to be perfect. I've got this vision of like like Mo and, and Harry in a room together. They're just like finishing each other's sentences. You know, we belong like... together. <laughs> <laughs> Feeding each other food. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd love to see, I'd love to see that maybe at the end of, end of year Player of the Year awards. Uh, Harry and Mo doing uh, the theme from Home and Away together, singing. I mean, that that would be nice. I'm built for that. Uh, uh, a bit of Elton John and Kiki Day, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's in a difficult he's in a difficult spot, isn't he? Because at the end of the day, he wants a con- he wants a well, he wants a contract. He wants the job for next season. So he's got to be he's got to be careful what he says. Um, and, you know, the likes of us are sitting there just hanging on every word, waiting to pick it apart and criticise it or look for a weakness in it or whatever. So, you know, he's on a, he's on a hiding to nothing really. But the other thing I'd throw in here is is if we don't get in the playoffs, which is looking sort of less likely by the day, will they keep him? Uh, and on the flip side of that, I would also say if, do you think Harry would stay if he got a, an offer to go elsewhere? You know, are, are we a bit of a stepping stone for him in his eyes? Yeah, I'm not too sure if Harry will get an offer to go somewhere else. Is this really the squad that he built? You know, arguably, is it the squad that Moore built? 
like you say, if we don't get promoted, will more and Abdallah blame him for not getting the most out of the squad that he's got? So there's all these variables that we just that we can't answer at the minute. And like you say, there is a, there is the possibility that he'll, that he'll get a job elsewhere as well. So until we actually, I mean, obviously um, more and Abdallah haven't the club haven't come out and offered him a new deal at this stage. Which if they were if they were a hundred percent faithful in him and wanted him to stay, you'd expect that they would do that. They've got a they've got a habit of binning managers off at the last minute <laughs> after mm. the summer break. So that's why on the podcast we come back to these things every week as a, a this feeling of uncertainty going forward. It, it wouldn't surprise me if they bin him off at all. You know, Carl talks about top ten team. I think, you know, Abdallah and Mo probably believe they've got a top 10 or better team and they probably believe that therefore Kuehl isn't getting the best out of the copper players he's got. So it wouldn't at all surprise me if they do bin him off. But I mean, they've got, they've got previous, haven't they? I think that, I mean, it, which would which would probably rile a, a, quite a big percentage of the fan base, yeah. purely from what you were saying about consistency. I'd be willing to give. I've, I'm not convinced by Harry Kuehl, but I would be prepared to give him another season because any manager does need time, and we need it more than ever. So, yeah, we'll have to it's just watch this space in it at the end of the day. But we're yeah. speaking of Carl yeah. again. There, I know that Danny and and Steve, you've been chatting with Carl this week, PTB monthly meeting with the CEO. And uh, would, is there anything from that meeting that that you think listeners might want to hear? Any any particular news? I think the main thing was probably that it seems so, you know, since we've put it out, I think the main thing that people seem to be talking about is obviously the new company that's been set up to negotiate good deals for the club on like the hotel stays for away games and things like that. that seems to be the biggest kind of talking point. Do you want to just give us a um, bit of a, an overview of what that? I can't remember who put it on Twitter, but somebody somebody put it on Twitter that a company had been set up. I think it was it called Hotel Rooms for You or something like that. And the two directors of the company were Mike Halliwell, who I think it's has been kind of associated with the club in, in various guises in terms of helping out behind the scenes. And um, and I think he went he went to go on to the trust board. He sort of nominated himself to go on the trust board, but withdrew at the last moment. And the other director was Barry Owen. Um, obviously, we all we all know who Barry is um, fans' favourite. Barry. So fans' favourite Barry Owen, yeah. And yeah, I think I think there was maybe just a few questions asked around the the fact that is there a bit of a conflict of interest there with Barry being doing that role, being a director. Um, it, it, it seemed as though from when we when we discussed it with Carl that, that it came as a surprise that that Barry was involved in that particular project. And yeah, and it seems to be a bit of a talking point really amongst amongst fans. I know I saw Andy Andy Halliwell was getting. Fully involved on uh, on Twitter with that one, so to be in his bonnet over that this morning, didn't he? Yeah, and I think you know, it's I mean, in the grand scheme of things, is it, is, is it a massive deal? It probably isn't a massive deal. I think it's more that the fact that obviously you've got a CEO there that signs off on all the deals and and you know and the invoices that come through, and and do we sort of feel that he should have known that that Barry was involved in something like that, considering he's a, he's on the board and you know. And it's that line of communication, that transparency that I guess we keep coming well, back no reason, to on the there's podcast. There's no reason and... for him not to know that information, is there? That's the that's the crux of it. The, I think that's the, what... other strange, the other strange point that I saw as well, during Andy's exchange with Hotel, hotel Rooms for You, 
on Twitter earlier today and Jamie's involvement, the commercial um, manager, Jamie said that he didn't sign the deal, didn't do the deal or have any involvement in the deal. So if Carl, like he did the other night, sounded a bit, uh, well, a bit taken aback as to Barry's involvement in the company and, and stuff like that, and then and then Jamie didn't sign off the deal, then who has at the club? That's where, a fair question, Danny. Yeah. Where does this deal come from or who's signed this deal off? Now, like Steve said, it, whether it's a major issue or not is a dubious to uh, and, and can be debated. But like Steve said uh, again before, you'd have thought that the CEO would have knowledge or full knowledge of who is involved in what company that they're using the services of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I mean, what I take from it is, uh, I'm, I'm not particularly about that issue, but it's just really good that, all, that there are so many eyes on things. And that's important. And because obviously I'm, 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 as I'm listening to you talk, I'm always thinking of ways to thread and bring in different, you know, topics and whatnot. And Andy, you were involved with the trust. And so you can tell us a little bit about your involvement in the trust in a sec. You guys, obviously, Danny and Steve, are pushed the boundary. And, you know, through these conversations that you're having with Carl, you know, you're finding things out and 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 Carl in with to, to his credit, you ask him a question and he'll answer the question. And he he, he puts himself out there, doesn't he? And he and he and he's, he opens himself up to this line of communication with you guys every month. He's yeah, coming here twice, you know, you've got to give him credit. So what I was what I wanted to, to sort of say is, you know, there's been one or two other things that that have come out and it hasn't been the trust that have been putting these, the, you know, they, they're not communicating news to us. It's, not, it's probably coming through Push the Boundary primarily or through other fans highlighting things. And then going back again, just linking it back to the Harry Kewell interview, which the Trust organised. I know it's not such a big deal, but are their energies going into the wrong places and are they are they doing what they're supposed to be doing? Andy, I'll direct that at you because of your, your involvement with them previously. Are their energies going into the wrong places? things i mean f- fundamentally yes i think there's, there's probably something in that mark the trust has always spoken about being th- th- this physical friend and and this term has, has come up on numerous occasions you know in this podcast i'm not convinced the trust has ever since i started getting involved in the trust in in the summer of 2018 and i was around for about 18 months i, I don't think it's ever defined uh, and worked out a kind of framework for what being a, a critical friend actually means. You know, what, what what are the what are the things it should be keeping an eye on? What are the indicators of something not being quite right? And and, and it hasn't taken that that concept of being a critical friend to a to a practical level in in the way that the, the push the boundary guys are. You know, the you, you speak about the eyes and ears listening to what's happening within the club and and, and reading into things that are going on and interpreting what those things mean or and what what they're what they're signaling about the stability and the the management of the football club and i just don't think that the, the, the fundamentally mark the, the trust have been getting underneath the skin of these issues in in the manner that push the boundary have and that comes down to asking the right questions I think the trust at times still thinks it's this friendly organisation that organises events, has members, you know, is a, is a is a friend of the club and does interviews with the manager and events with with players. You know what? What one day maybe 
uh, everything will be rosy and, and, and the trust can be that that sort of organisation and that can that can be its focus. Um, but right now, and certainly for the past three or four years, that that, that can't be the uh, the manifestation of, of, of Trust Oldham. Uh, and it comes down to the trust determining what its, what its focus needs to be, what its purpose needs to be. I'm, I'm not saying anything original, particularly original here. Many people have said this on the podcast. It was about the trust defining it, 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 its function and ultimately what, it, what its purpose is and therefore how it should exercise its duties linking back to that fundamental purpose. And, and, it, and it doesn't do that, quite frankly, in the way that Push the Boundary is able to do that. Can I ask you, as somebody who was, who was in there relatively recently, why do you think that is? And that's why I'm asking this question to you, because it's all right for me to have a theory, but I've not been in on the inside and, and, and I don't know how it works. And I'm trying really hard to find out. But you, yeah. you've been in there relatively recently. Why do you think that is? There's a lack of leadership. Um, and, and I listened interest, uh, with interest to the interview with, with Ashley from the FSA. Um, and, you know, he, he, he focused some, some time on this. And he talked about communication and he talked about having the right skill set within the group. But ultimately, it's a lead. Someone, one person, one person that can, they don't have authority over everybody else, but one person who can set, set the agenda, give the function of the trust some, some a framework to guide its activities, define what it's about, and then everything, all the activity flows through that framework. And it doesn't have a natural leader. And, and as a result, there's, there's, there's a degree of, 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 of chaotic management of, of how the, the trust exercises its duties. You know, in my experience, the meetings that, that, that I attended were, you know, th- there, was, there were siloed issues being spoken about. And one person was interested in one thing and one person was interested in another thing. But, but there, there, wasn't, there wasn't any join up. There was no kind of joining the dots of those, of those issues. And it was all people operating fairly kind of independently without a common agreed position on, you know, what's our view on Abdallah? What's our view on the state of the football club? What, what, what's our view on the ground acquisition? You know, it, it, never, it never collectively formed a position on anything, Matt. And, and without forming a, a position and, and diagnosing issues, then you, you, you can't coordinate action in response because it, it never it never defined what those what those issues were and what it what it was about for me. I wouldn't say it's in a, it's in a, it's in a mess. I don't think it needs a, a great deal of kind of work to, to, to get its structure in, in into a reasonable shape. But it needs a leader. It really needs someone to take hold of the trust. A, a single person that everyone can believe in. Ashley, fantastic. The guy from Leighton Orient, fantastic. I think, I mean, in fairness, the, the trust has got a new board since since you left. New set of people, new chair. So we 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 do have to we we have to in the interest of balance we do have to say that and you know but have to give them a little yeah. bit of time to to do what they what they're doing and also in the interest of balance they have to be able to say maybe they're not channeling their their energies into the wrong things maybe they're just not telling us what good things they are channeling their energies into maybe it's just a, a communication issue on the surface when they're only telling you what you know about Harry Kuehl interviews and a few bits and bobs that's just the natural conclusion that you come to. What what do you think, lads? Uh, you know, from a push the boundary point of view, or from a personal point of view, I think with regards to the trust, we I know as as, as push the boundary, you know, and, and I think Carl's touched on it. I know we've touched on it as well. And that when we have conversations with Carl, we will ask him difficult questions, and we know and we know that they're difficult questions. And in fairness to Carl, 
he he will answer them as you know Matt like he will answer them he won't he won't shirk a question in you know it's in, in his credit that I think previous CEOs uh, and people at the club would probably shirk those questions or not want to discuss those issues what I like to think is that they're always balanced conversations with Carl in that you know we will ask him a difficult question he will give us an answer we'll give him praise for something that that they've done well you know like the other when we had the meeting the other day you know we, we mentioned the the feedback that was given around the Adam Morley situation and we said you know you know what you came back you came back quickly and you came back with a with a proper answer and we put that out and it looked good on everybody and I think that Sometimes the, the perception, my perception would be that the trusts don't want to ask those questions because they feel like it would harm the relationship. When you overlay that or when you couple that with the fact that the, the trust, and Andy might correct me on this, but the, the trust were formed to stop 2004 happening again. Yeah. And, you know, we have, as of last March, we were in a position whereby we were in, we were in court with unpaid rent, debenture, et cetera. And, and I don't, I can't say what the trust did that stopped us getting to that point. And that is their function. You know, you look at the emergency service, you look at the fire, you look at the fire service, you know, they're, they're there all the time. Their job is to put a fire out when, when a fire starts. And I, I, and I personally speaking, I didn't see the trust do that when we went into administration. You know, we don't, we don't want to be doing those things, but we we exist because you know, let's let's be honest, because we didn't have the faith in the trust to to do that job. Can I just come back on that, Steve? I I, I think you've hit the nail on the head insofar as the, the the trust function is is exactly what you've described there. The trust function is not. I don't believe it is to necessarily represent fans. I'm not saying it can't be a representative of fans, but its primary function is not about representing fans. It's about doing quite a lot of boring stuff, quite a lot of hidden stuff that ultimately is there to make sure 2004 doesn't happen again. It, it, it needs fans to back that principle, to understand that, that that's its purpose and its cause, absolutely. But that is, its, that is its sole function. Everything else, it can do other stuff if it wants, but everything else is peripheral. That is its function and, it, and its energy. And insofar as it isn't currently fit for purpose in achieving that, then its energy should be spent solely on getting to a position where it can uh, exercise that function. Um, and, and then it can worry about, you know, the, 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 the softer stuff. Now, yeah. that, and that for me is where push the boundary need to exist because if the trust is focusing on that, then then who is who is the organisation that's linking in with fans, that's representing fans, that's making sure fans' concerns are are, are heard? Um, if if the trust is off, you know, trying to work out uh, how their accounts are set up and, and, and governance and things like that, it, it all comes back to the two organisations having to have some degree of kind of um, um, uh, of complementary working and understand each other's remits. And they're different remits, but they both need to exist. Definitely. And following on from the interview with Ashley from the SFA last week, that's why I'm, you know, we are trying to follow a narrative here into a, to a natural conclusion because one of the key things that he said, taking aside leadership and all that, was cooperation. And we have a trust. It has 3% share in the club. We need to support it, but we need to feel that our energies are going into to, to do that in, with good faith and push the boundary again 
<clears throat> need to be able to work with the trust. And we're in a good position. We, we Fundamentally, we, we we have what we need, don't we? We've got the passionate yep. fan base. It's represented by a positive boundary. It's represented by Trust Oldham. Trust Oldham is involved in the club. Yeah, as two organisations, I do think that we need to we need to work more closely together. I, I, and I, you know, I totally take that on board because like, like Andy says, there, there are complementary roles that we can both play. It's part of the bigger picture here. You know, we can take the, the, some of the more fluffy stuff away from the trust in terms of, you know, we'll throw out a player's birthday or we'll throw out a, an old game that, that happened or something like that. But we all need to, we, we, we both need to play our role in, in terms of what we're doing. And, and the trust role is to challenge, is to challenge the club. Now, we, I think we've, I know we'll openly say that we've challenged the trust on occasion in terms of the way that they, the, the way that they operate. And, and it's not, it's not designed to be a criticism and it's not designed to, it's not designed to sort of pull both groups apart because we want to pull those groups together. But I think in order to do that, we need to be on the same page in terms of where we're at. When we do a protest, when we do a boycott, it's, it's not because we're going against the club. All we're doing is we are, we're challenging the club. We want that challenge to be healthy. And we do that, whoever's in charge of the football club, as we move forward. All we want from the trust is, is, is an acknowledgement that we just we, we all want the best for the club. So let's come together. Let, but, but in order to do that, we have to admit that things aren't perfect and that things perhaps have to change. And we have to come together and decide what those things are and how we go and how we go about it. I mean, yeah. it ultimately all comes down to what Andy said before and what Ashley said in the podcast of having a leader there and going, This is actually this is the direction that the trust needs to go in. I need people with the relevant skill set, which may or may not be within there at this moment in time, to to pull along and, and move into that di- in, in that direction with, with the common goal set out among supporters and amongst the two organisations to take it to a place that is really powerful and uh, and exists as a, a, a really strong bonded fan base, really. I think getting the, the skill set is the easy bit. I think getting the leader is is, is a difficult bit. You know, the natural leaders are few and far between and, and that that's that's a real challenge. But Steve, I mean, do you, I sense um, what you're saying that, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but are there, are there, you're not getting from the trust kind of mutual you know getting that acknowledgement of, of your of your purpose your function as a group and, and how you dif- how you're kind of differentiated from the trust is there a bit of um you know does, does the trust feel slightly threatened by by push a boundary do you feel i wouldn't necessarily say that they feel threatened I, f- I feel like perhaps on occasion they would like to distance themselves from us because we are you know whether we like it or or not you know we are probably seen as that group that did a protest and whilst, you know, we've done a million other things that, you know, have been significantly well received by by the club and by, you know, the fans. It does worry me that there's, there's the potential there that the trust wouldn't want to associate themselves with us on, you know, because of the things that we've done. And maybe maybe that may damage their relationship with the club. Well, just touching on that. Uh, as well, like the, the, uh, with the meetings that we've had, not so much with the new trust board, but the previous trust board that that was in place during conversations, they they would say stuff like, "We don't necessarily agree with your approach," and and, and stuff like that. And it, it was a case of, well, we we've taken this approach to not, not to be against the club. It, it, it's to basically say, look, the club's better than what it's currently giving 
in essence. And so just touching on again what, what Steve said there, this doesn't necessarily go for the new trust board because we've only met them on a couple of occasions and they're seemingly trying to get the feet under the table and do the right things. But previously, certainly, it has been a case of we're, we're not on the same page as them because they've taken a different approach and the approach has been fairly aggressive in, in, in so much as the protest and then the subsequent boycott beyond that. But you're always going to get, Danny, some fans think that you're not being aggressive enough and then so certain fans think that you're being too aggressive and, you, you know, so you can't please everybody you, and, and, and the, the trust can't please the club all the time and the club can't please the trust all the time and, you know, it's just, that's not the way it works. It's finding a balance, isn't it? And it's, and it's, and I think it's just all about intentions and, and, and people doing things for the right reasons. And, and, and you're like you're saying there, Danny, is you've got to a point where you're saying, well, look, what other choices do we have? What other avenues are there left to go down? Because whatever is supposed to have been, whatever safeguards were supposed to have been in place haven't been effective. And this is where we're at. And we need to let the voice of the fans be heard. And when it comes to doing that, it's mobilising and, you know, like um, I think actually Ashley from the SFA said it perfectly. You know, they had a trust and they had a supporters group, and their supporters group did all the legwork, the marching, the protesting, they made a lot of noise, got it on the news, and the trust was was diligently working away in the background, doing whatever it needed to do. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. doing the boring stuff. I think it will. You know, the only way that the trust is going to be able to do the boring stuff effectively, particularly around potentially raising funds, is with a level of endorsement of them and their activities from Push the Boundary. Because Push the Boundary have the credibility with with fans. Well, so, they have you know. to earn that, don't they, Andy? They have to, they have to earn that, and, and absolutely, and they have to realise that, don't they? They have to realise that that's what they have to do, uh, and they need yeah. to. Act. I mean, because you know, I'm pushing, an, I'm pushing a narrative here. The, what else came up? It was really important to listen to that interview with uh, with Ashley. If you haven't listened to it, if you're listening to this, and you haven't listened to it. Listen to it because what Ashley was saying, it was just one bad owner after another at Portsmouth. Now. We are in a position where that could very, very easily happen to us, and we, so the model needs to change. We referenced in the in the interview last week: Newport County, Exeter City, Wickham Wanderers, fan-owned clubs that are doing really, really well. Portsmouth, look what what happens. All right, they've sold the club now, but they, they took their club and 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 built it again and made it into a much stronger proposition. I'm not trying to kick Abdallah out. I'm not trying to kick the trust. I'm not trying to do anything like that. What I'm trying to say is. Going forward, what's the model that best suits a club like Oldham Athletic? And how do we put ourselves in a position where we, we, can, we can do what we need to do now to build a stronger club foundation, a club that you know, is going to need private investment, but it's also going to need the backing financially and emotionally and all the rest of it from the town and, and the supporters. And it's getting that balance right. And I think coming back to what you said, Andy, that's the club, uh, sorry, that's the trust's that should be the trust main focus of getting people involved in that way of thinking and putting money into the trust so that the trust can can build on that and increase its increase its stake. And th- th- we need to have a serious conversation. Do we want the club to be fan-owned? Or what percentage of the club do we want to be fan-owned? Is it 51%? How are we going to do it? The trust needs to buy into it. I've asked the trust to come on. I've emailed Jason and I've emailed Paul, waiting for them to reply. And let's just, because there's a lot of frustration on social media. You see it in people. This, these are fundamental issues that, that need to be dealt with in terms of something that came up on Facebook today about the Sports Park 2000 and the council's role in that. You know, we need this club secure and we need it moving in the right direction so that we can all relax from talking about all this and just be worried about 
getting a couple of decent centre halves in and, and and maybe finishing in the top six every now and again. You know what I mean? I mean, Matt, the, the, you yeah. know, it's, it's it's common that clubs in crisis. I mean, the, the, some of the clubs that have prospered over the last fifteen years, twenty years, have in in the in the previous five years to that been what you would call clubs in crisis. Bournemouth, Brighton, Doncaster, Rotherham. They've managed to hit a rock bottom. They've hit a rock bottom, pick themselves up. Now, I don't know what the, the specifically in each case, what the route to re- reform reformation has been, but it, 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 it's the context of hitting rock bottom, being ripped to pieces that has enabled them to rebuild, right? So what, what we've got to look at the positives of, of where we are and say, wait, okay, we're not that far from Abdallah probably wanting to leave this club because he's not getting anything out of it. You know, he's not going to be around forever. And and then that's the opportunity at exactly. that point. What's next? To get, to get to get ownership of the football club, to get control of it, ownership in real terms or or kind of um, you know more more um, symbolic terms. Andy Halliwell's going to shout at me if I don't mention Simon Blitz at this point in, in the uh, in the conversation. But you you know getting you're right there, Andy. What you say, I'm sorry to cut across you, but getting the ground, getting the club in the right hands, in the hands of. For me, the fans, the town and the fans, we need the ground. That needs to be secure, whatever whatever else. And, and for me, that would be, if I was Trust Alden, that would be my directive. We've got to get this ground. We've got to get this facility. We've got to engage with Blitz. We've got so, to get this sorted. So how, what's, the, what's, the, what's the route map, though, from, from where we are? I think, you know, I think this podcast has been really, for me, quite um, uh, therapeutic in, in, in bringing all this to the surface and di- diagnosing these issues. But for me, it's a question of, okay, well, what, what's, what's the route map? Is it through the trust or a trust? And is that how that happens? I don't, that's, I don't know. That's, that, but that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're trying to go with. That's the, the thread that we're trying to pull together. You know, that's why we want the trust to come on. We can ask the trust. You know, we need to get, yeah. we, we need to, to the, it's all right, the trust doing all this work in private. We need to know what they're doing. We need to know, are we behind it? Is, are they doing the right things? We need to get local businesses. We need to get the council. They're all on the agenda to get them on the podcast and to have these conversations so people can listen in because it needs to be a public forum. People need to be able to hear these things as they unfold. And that's what I'm trying to do. And that's what you push the boundary is trying to do. And I think there needs to be a sharp focus now on let's get this direction of what we want. Because for me, it's, 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 it's for the trust to own the ground, 51% of the club. And then we're, we're in a better position. That's that's where I try and take it. Now we're going to need to raise a good few million quid, so we're, we're going to have to roll our sleeves up, aren't we? But that's it's not it's, it's completely achievable. What Portsmouth did, they raised five million quid relatively quickly. You know, it, it, it's not unachievable. You know, I'm not going to hear anything else. We can do it, and we need to do it. I mean, the the, the, the desire is certainly there. Uh, I mean, you've, you've seen like a, like the fan base has, has come together and isn't afraid of asking questions and and, and doing doing different things. I mean, like it's go, even going back to like the the protest and stuff. There was like through, speaking to the police on the day they were saying about near near enough three hundred people there, which is an extremely powerful message. Now, obviously, the the, the direction of travel from there, uh, Abdallah isn't going to be around forever. Whether he sells in three months, six months, two years, three years, five years. But something has to come next, doesn't it? I, yeah, exactly. I totally agree. The time will come. There will be a point where the, the opportunity exists. But we fans. need to be ready, Andy. But we, I, 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 exactly, man. Let's not wait I'm, for that moment. Absolutely. Well, we have to, we have, we'll have to wait for it. We're not in control of when it comes, but we no. need to be ready. But we're in control of our preparations, aren't we? 
Absolutely, of course we are. When I when I was on the trust, you used to talk about um, being able to press the big red button, and I said, "What the hell's the red button?" Oh, oh, it, it just means we we effectively we shout a lot. We say, "Oh shit, we're in administration." You know, there was no as if the red button, this nuclear option, was the trust take over the club. But it wasn't that because they don't have the means to take over the club. Nothing is in place to allow them to take over the football club. They're not set up for that. They don't have the knowledge, yeah. the capability, the the, 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 the legal frameworks. Uh, the you know the, the far from that. Um, so this this idea of this big red button and this safety net was was a, a complete myth. It didn't really exist. It needs to exist, and it needs to be robust, and it needs to be financed um, such that when the opportunity comes, because it will come, the the, the 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 fans can step in. Just touching on that, Andy, what options have the trust got then in so much as raising the funds to the, to the degree, I'm talking to the degree of like Portsmouth and the, Andy, uh, Ashley mentioned the other day. Other than the, the membership, which is, to my knowledge, is at £10, £10 a year, what access have they got or what funds have they got beyond the membership other than like you other odd fundraising events that at this moment in time can't take place anyway? They've, they've got access, Danny, to... I mean, when I was last there, they had about 12 grand in the bank account to, 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 to draw on. Uh, and and assuming, I'm assuming, given the, the, the legal entity of, of the Trust Oldham and its purpose, that they would be able to, to, to get access to certain other funding on preferential terms from various places. But none of that is committed. None of that's secured. None of that's on, on the table. So n- nothing... They were exploring and are actually still exploring, I think, uh, a venture around um, working with the council on um, on some through 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 one of the directors um, refurbing houses in Oldham to raise funds. You look at the look at the trust minutes of the last meeting; it's referenced in there as a fundraiser. Yeah. But again, there was but, but and that that's been mentioned over the last couple of years, but there's never been any concerted recognition that raising funds to, to uh, and, and to what level should be the focus of the trust so this initiative around housing was put out there but if i'm honest it would ra- largely fall on deaf ears and there wasn't a consensus behind it as much it was it was one person acting relatively independently and this comes back to my original point about having a consensus around what, what's our what's our goal what's our one goal what's our one purpose that, that trumps everything else and and, and Without that, then it, it, it's it's kind of a, a, a somewhat rudderless, and what which is why I come back to having you know a, a leader that can that can give it some direction, and it might only be a temporary a temporary leadership. You know, it doesn't, doesn't need a lot. It just needs someone to define the function, the role, and, and set it off on a certain on the right path. Really, I I, I you know I'm behind the trust. I back the the, the idea of the trust. I back what its potential that is. Sound yeah, absolutely. And, um, but the trust is is in itself is nothing doesn't exist like anything doesn't really exist. It's the people that make it up that that are that are its essence. So it comes back down to that issue of leadership. Comes back down to the issue of creativity, being able to come up. You know, you said that, Danny, about how we can. I can think of a million ways to raise money. All it needs is for someone to articulate it and, and engage people in that process. If it's an ongoing thing and it happens every single day of the year, there are initiatives that. People can be putting money into that could be buying products, services, whatever. 
there's tons and tons of ways that the trust can make money. But on top of all this, it's a full-time job. This podcast takes up enough of my time. I'm sure being in Push the Boundary takes up enough of your time. You know, it's, it's a commitment and it's going to take a lot of people to commit a lot of time and energy and effort if we're going to get it to the point where we all want it to be. And I think that comes, and I think that's probably a good place to, 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 to round this up is, again, to, to, to put the onus on the people listening and say, if you're one of these people that is criticising or questioning or wanting, you, know, you see it on Twitter from, you know, usual dickheads on Twitter, the faceless trolls criticising. But what are you doing? What's, what's your efforts other than to just criticise and what, how much time and energy or money are you, because it's one of those, it's, it's one of those three things that you're going to need to commit time, energy, or money. If you can't commit time or energy, you're going to have to commit money. If you can't commit money, you're going to have to commit time and energy. And, and which ones of those are you doing? How many of us have, have, have responded to the trust when they've asked for help and gone to them and said, what can I do? I mean, I include myself in that. I suppose I've given them a platform on here, but what else can I do? So th- these are the questions. What can we do? You have to look yourself in the mirror and say, what am I going to do? Absolutely, Matt. I mean, the trust yeah. is a is a really sound idea, and it's got it's got everything in place to be uh, an effective body. Uh, it it just needs people to, to to back it, and more more than just kind of liking its tweets. Actually, doing something meaningful to to, to shape uh, uh, and make make it effective. Can I just but before Mike Keegan said this might be the year he picks up the phone to some of his connections to um to 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 find some investment in in the football club. Can I ask Mike Keegan that if he thinks he's well connected, that he does that, because that's that's you know that's that's what you're asking, Matt. And if that's what Mike Keegan can bring, p- please do it, Mike. Yeah, if you, f- you feel you're capable. And 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 yeah. what push the boundary yeah. doing by getting numbers together, bringing people together in in unison makes us all the more investable as well. It makes us stand out. It makes us look like we've there's there's there's, there's fans that want to get involved. And and look, this conversation. The discussions between Push the Boundary and Trust Oldham are going to have to happen, and I'd love it to happen on this platform. I'd love for fans to be able to hear Push the Boundary and Trust Oldham debating and discussing how they're going to work together. And let's have it all out in the open. Let's let the, and, and then everybody's involved. Because I think one of the things is that if people feel excluded from the conversation, they don't get involved and they won't try and get involved. But nobody has to be excluded from the conversations. So not not everything can be heard no. in public, but enough can be heard in public that everybody feels that they're involved and that they're being respected by being given the opportunity to listen. I think that's it. And it, it, there's so much, and I think we've we've seen it over the last 12 months, there's so much potential with this fan base and with this football club. It's ridiculous how much potential there is and how much passion there is. Yeah. And and, and I know it can boil over from time to time and and you know, that's that's fine. I mean, you know, you look at Salford away last year, you know, it, it, that boiled over, but it, it, it achieved the right result in the end because people seem to roll the sleeves up. And Latics fans have rolled the sleeves up over the last 12 months and, and, and actually found that they want to not just, you know, whinge and moan about what's going on at the club. They actually want to do something about it. And, and you know, we, we actively encourage people to do that. And, and, and it would be great. It would be great to work together with the trust on something like that. You know, I think that you look at today's game, you know, we've scored a wonder goal. We've got a decent draw away from home with 10 men. That's so short term, it's unbelievable. You know, what 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 we're trying to build is something that's much longer term than that. You know, we want to we want to secure the future of the club for 
for years and years to come. We want to find you know a, a sound, stable kind of foundation to, to, to build on so that, that this club is around for years and years and years to come and there's generations of fans that, that will support this club in years to come. And that's what we want to do. And and results are great and great and, and days and you know we were all going to get back to the away days, but ultimately like we want that long term future secured. Because it's the only way that we're going to enjoy success on the pitch again and reach our level. You know, we're not at our level, we're not a League Two club. We're a League One, top end of League One, lower championship club. We we have that potential. We, we could be a championship club again if the momentum goes in the right direction, if the investment comes in, if we start getting the crowds, if we manage ourselves properly, financially. We're a town the size of Oldham can sustain a championship football club. There's no doubt about that. We're not that yet. We're a long, long way off it, but it's possible. If Rotherham can do it, you know what I mean? If, if, I mean, I was going to say Wigan, where they are now, but there's, look at Bournemouth. I mean, I know that a lot of these clubs have had massive in, injections of cash from really rich owners, but it's about management. It's about having a vision and seeing it through and getting the buy-in from the town because we're a big town. We, we, we can get there again. But like like you said, foundations first. The foundations that we're on at the minute, uh, we're building on sand, aren't we? You know, it's 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 too unpredictable. So we got to get the we got to get the foundations right, and this this podcast is is just going to keep banging on about the bigger picture, and we'll talk about the games and we'll enjoy the results of the wonder goals, but we've got to get the big picture sorted out. And credit, I always give you credit, lads, for for, for what you do with with push the boundary. I always give people credit for getting involved in the trust, like yourself, Andy. If you've put the time in, the energy in, and the money in, then then fair play. And so we'll see what happens. We'll see when 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 trust come back to me to get them back on the pod. And then hopefully maybe get you ball, get you with push the boundary and the trust on together and see who else we can get on to further this debate. And until then, I'd like to thank you all for coming on today. It's been nice to meet you, Andy. Cheers, guys. Yeah, very much enjoyed it. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, thanks, for Yeah. Well. Cheers, fella. Thank you. Always good. I'll have to get the old uh, editing fingers out now. I'm not quite sure how long, how long that went on for, but I think it was a bit longer than planned. But yeah, what can you do? I blame John Batty. <laughs> <laughs> So you just bring it all back together. The Boundary Park Alert System is a Studio 6 production. It's hosted, edited and mixed by me, Matt Dean. And you can contact me on Twitter at Dublin OAFC. If you'd like to get in touch with us or contribute to the show, our email is bpalertsystem at gmail.com and we're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at OAFC Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Push the Boundary, you can visit pushtheboundary.co.uk and follow them on Twitter at ptb underscore OAFC. The title music for the show is Delirio by Manchester DJ and producer Starion. You can visit redlaserrecords.bandcamp.com for more info and the latest releases. If you like the show, please do review and subscribe on whichever platform you listen. Thanks for listening.